Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with me here today. I'm so grateful for you. I love the opportunity that we get to come together and discuss how we can thrive in our life and business. I have a question for you. What defines you? What is that key characteristic that is unique, is special, is wonderful about you? You're not allowed to get away with saying, well, there isn't that much, because there is. There's an amazing you that is you. There's those things that you do that only you can do. And it's by, first of all, being in touch with that, maybe even, first of all, accepting that you are, and then getting in touch with that, um, that really begins to make that difference that only you can make in this world because nobody else is ever gonna come in, no matter how long the universe lasts, no one will ever be you. You're the only one that can fill that spot. So once you know what defines you, then how do you use that to create success in your life and business? How do you take that unique you that is you and build from that something that powerfully is a change, makes a difference, gets it done, is that thing that you are called and meant to do in this world. How do you do that? I wanna talk with you about that today because it's so important that you know who you are and then you live the best you that you can possibly live in this world. Being that best version of yourself, living it, growing in it, um, developing within yourself the ability to do more of what is the good part of you and less of the telling yourself all the things that aren't good about you. You see, I didn't have to go to the, you know, all the things that are bad about you because, first of all, most of the things that you think should be on that list probably aren't true. And second of all is the fact that we need you. Those flaws are also part of what makes you powerful, part of what allows you to show up in this world to make the difference that only you can make and be a thriving entrepreneur. With that said, we've got three great guests and I want to jump right straight into our first interview. Let's go. Join me in welcoming Mary Crafts. Hey Mary, how are you doing today? I'm doing super today. Today is a beautiful spring day where I am, and I am ready for spring. Oh, yeah, for sure. But then it'll get hot, and then we'll be like, and now I'm ready for fall. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> that gives us always something to look forward to. Right, absolutely. So, That's what you call a positive attitude. <laughs> absolutely. So uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you show up in the world. Sure. Well, it used to be a very easy to answer that question uh, when I had my own company. And I would simply say, I'm the founder and CEO of uh, Culinary Crafts Catering and Special Events. We are the largest catering company in the state and 26 times best of state and international caterer of the year. And that part was very easy for me because it was like in a box and I could present it to people. But I retired at age 65 and now I'm 68 and my box looks very different because what I discovered was that I retired from my company, but I didn't retire from life. And so now my list includes um, still an entrepreneur, but also speaker, podcaster, author, and just visionary of all things possible. Mm, that's awesome. So um, you said author, tell me uh, what books have you written and what are they about? 
Yeah, I just wrote my first book and it's uh, being published coming out this summer and it's called Unbounded From Sorrow to Summit. And it really tracks the journey of my life, but it's done in what I call a how-to format so that others can see what it looks like to live in fear, how to recognize those fears and begin the transformation of actually living a love-based life. And fortunately, of those 35 years when I was um, right in the middle of all the corporate world, 25 of those years, I lived in a fear-based place. But I got to live 10 years and experience my company from a different place of being a loved-based company and what that looks like. And I know that's kind of crazy to talk about in the world of, of corporate uh, organization because just, we, don't like, we don't talk about those kind of things, how love affects our motivation, how love affects our place we work, our, our team, our crew, um, our culture. But whether or not we talk about it, doesn't change the fact of how much it's affected by the personal motivations of those people at the top. So why do you think it is that, you know, and it's so true with corporate America, why do we um, kind of live in that place of fear rather than being free and joyful? Well, I think that first of all, uh, the way we measure things in corporate America is by the numbers and whether or not we are productive. And we were taught from the time that we were little, if you want something, you have to use fear. For example, eat those vegetables or they're gonna be waiting for you at breakfast, <laughs> okay? Or we are told things like, uh, I don't know why you're having a struggle with your, your sister always gets this right. But we are, we are kind of tooled in using fear as a motivation. And so as we grow up with that, we see how it works in the corporate place. An example of this is my own personal life. When I first started my catering company and event planning business, let me just tell you, I didn't get to be the best by just sitting back and letting see what would happen. No, I went to work. But how did I go to work? I went to work out of fear. I was afraid I was gonna fail. So I was the best caterer in the state. I was afraid I wasn't gonna have financially sound um, for my family or my future. And so I, I'm, I was at everyone's beck and call. You needed me, I was there. Um, I would give away the moon just to make sure somebody was happy. And everything that, everything that I was doing was done out of fear whether I took care of my employees, it was out of fear that, that they would leave if I didn't take care of them. Now, it certainly didn't look that way. And no one around me would have ever said, Mary lived a fear-based life. But I knew, and inside, I was unhappy. And as I began to wake up in my own personal life of how that fear was driving and making every single decision in my life, I began to wake up of the change that could not only happen to me personally, but the change that could happen to my company. So imagine the difference when I would meet with uh, a corporation who was launching their once in a lifetime you know, business launch, and I wasn't there out of fear of failure. What if I was there out of love? The actions were probably the same, but my energy was totally different. And people would get it. They would say things to me like, I don't know what it is, Mary, but I'm eating your food and your food is delicious, but I'm experiencing something different. And it was simply the energy in the room, the energy that I brought with my staff and my team. And I began to see the profound effect that this could have on team culture when I began to lead out of love rather than lead out of fear, fear they would leave or fear I was paying too much or fear just, you know, and I can remember sitting at, cause I, I speak a lot now around the country and I'll start talking about this. 
And if it's a group full of women, they like to start nodding their heads. Totally get it. Totally, totally. I'm on your page, Mary. But if it's a room full of guys, sometimes they're like, uh, I think my wife feels that. I'm <laughs> like, oh, really? It's your wife that feels fear. You've conquered that, huh? You know, you know, I was a football player and I, you know, did this camping. I climbed this mountain. I go, oh, so you've never been afraid of being passed up for a promotion. You've never been afraid that you couldn't make your mortgage payment. You've never been afraid that perhaps you spent too much time at work and you weren't a good dad. And suddenly the lights start going on around the room and men see that they have also been ruled by fear. In fact, sometimes even more than women, most of their lives. So that's what I spend my life, do, my life doing now is turning on the light of how to move from that love-based, how to move from the fear-based life to the love-based life. And the difference that that makes on, on your whole entire environment, from your team to you, to your family, and if I could snap my fingers and change one thing in this world, it would be that. Unfortunately, it's not quite that easy. And we take baby steps down this pathway, this journey from fear to love. And even now, I have times that I'm afraid, but I now recognize it as fear. I'm like, ah, that's you, my old friend. Not today. Today, I'm going to do this out of love. And I'm choosing me. And when I put me first, then I'm more capable of putting you first, genuinely putting you first, not some make-believe thing that I'm making that I'm concerned about you, but that I truly am concerned about you because I'm also concerned about myself. Oh, that's so powerful. So what do we do in those days? Because you know, none of us are perfect. So yeah. we get this epiphany like you just shared, and then we have just a rotten day. I know you don't have those anymore, Mary, but some of <laughs> us still do. <laughs> what do we do to reset ourselves in those days? Well, I still have, and I wouldn't say I have days that are bad, but I have times that are bad. For me, they rarely work last a day. They maybe last an hour for me and, and, and maybe a morning, but never a day. But you have to realize that it is a process. For me, I didn't begin to change this until I was age 50. Now, 18 years I've lived on this side, but I have to live to be 105 to be on the plus side of living in the love-based life. And it is a process. So you have to be gentle with yourself. You have to forgive yourself when, when you mess up or you later think, Oh man, I totally was all about fear, wasn't I? Did you hear how I unlo unloaded on that guy or on my son or whatever it might be? And most of the time when we let our emotions get carried away with things like anger and resentment, to be honest with you, those are all secondary emotions. But the primary emotion there is fear. And the primary thing that we're fear afraid of is, believe it or not, that we're not enough. And so on a daily basis, sometimes on an hourly basis, it's a positive affirmations that are posted up on your mirror in the morning, um, on your computer that really tell who you are. I am this. And that you really, when you begin to repeat those things long enough, you begin to change the base. This is an example I want you to think about. I think this is so powerful. If I were to ask you what you were doing last Thursday, you'd probably have to stop and think. If I were to ask you, what were you doing in September of 1999? You'd be like, uh, I, uh, what was the name of your first grade teacher? Bang, you instantly knew the name of your first grade teacher. And that's an example and shows you how powerful those years are when we lay down those basis of who we think we are and what is our role in this planet. And by the time you're seven, you probably have it laid in place. And you're going to stay that way until the day you die, unless you decide to go down the pathway. Baby step at a time. Forgive yourself when you slip back. Go forward. 
I put a post-it note on my mirror and I kept it there for 10 years to move me out of fear. And the post-it note was simply this. What would I do today if I were no longer afraid? I would get up in the morning and I'd think about something that was in my day that would normally call me, cause me trepidation and that I would feel like maybe I needed to make up an excuse about, or in other words, it's another word for excuse we don't like to use is a lie about. And we would say that, oh, that's just because I'm saving face or because that person doesn't need to know or blah, 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 blah. But instead of rehearsing how I was going to fail from fear, I began asking myself how I was going to succeed from courage. And what I would do today if I were no longer afraid of X, Y, Z. 10 years that was on my mirror. But I'll tell you, those were 10 years well spent to be where I am today and to know that this is what my future looks like. And if we could change that in corporate America, we could also change it in our politics. We can also change it in our homes. And that means we get to change it in the world. Such great stuff. And I think there are a lot of people that need to go deeper with you. So how can a person get in contact with you and take this work even deeper? Well, like you, Stephen, I have a podcast. It's called Crafting a Meaningful Life. And we, I have 230 episodes at this point. And we go deep on a lot of this stuff. Um, and they're all on my website, which you can find me on my website, um, they're also on, you know, iTunes and Spotify and they're on YouTube. So you can find them anywhere. But I suggest people go to my website, then they can read a little about me and then see all the podcast episodes and see what intrigues them from a title or a description. My website is very simply Mary Crafts Inc. I-N-C, Mary Crafts Inc. dot com. I love that. Well, Mary, that is such deeply insightful stuff. And I really appreciate you. And thanks for being a guest here on the show today. Thanks for bringing my message, Steve, and allowing me this platform to share with your listeners. And thanks to you for doing what you're doing. Such a powerful secret that whether you retire from your business, you transition in your business, that you don't retire from your life, that you continue growing and being and doing the things that you're meant to do in this world because the world absolutely does need you. How can you do that so that you can then be the best you that you can be today? Think about that a little bit while we take our first commercial break here on Thriving Entrepreneur. We'll be right back. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet, kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we take a deep look at how you create success by just knowing you and then being you. It really doesn't need to be anything more than just you maximizing the best you, you loving you, and then you sharing you with the world. So with that thought in mind, let's jump into our next guest. 
join me in welcoming Brian Dyer. Hey, Brian, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Steve? I'm really good, thank you. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Uh, well, I am a owner of multiple businesses and dad of three young kids. I, I'm probably invisible in a lot of ways because I spend a lot of my time in the trenches of business. And so how I show up in the world is usually a little bit hidden in that I enjoy you know, engaging in, in kind of the, I guess the trenches of whether it's parenting or business. Um, that's, that's a lot of the world where you'll find me. Okay. So tell us a little bit about the things you do down in the trenches, um, you know, working for businesses. So um so over the over the last several years um starting and growing a business there's there's a process to it that requires you know as you build a team you spend a lot of time working with and trying to figure out how to solve uh, complex complex challenges in your business and so there's there's a lot to a business that um, you know growing a business that depending on which one you're growing that requires you to get really close to and familiar with the intricacies of what is holding your company back your team back whatever the challenges are and the trenches is really where success in my experience is, is found and how good you can get um, when you're really close to what is going on. And so I try and spend as much time as possible as close to in proximity to where work is getting done so that I can understand some of those unique parts to whatever our challenges are. And so you'll find me, um, you know, spending a lot of time that's in, 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 you know, working as close to, you know, the parts of the business that are struggling and really trying to figure out how to help my team, our company in whatever ways, you know, are, are necessary. And I think um, I've learned a lot through doing that, and it's been really rewarding to see, you know, the benefits of, of operating that way. And you have a book that's out. It's called The Business Beast. Tell us uh, what we can learn by reading your book. So The Business Beast was written um, while I was growing uh, one of the companies that I started, actually two of the companies, um, I'm running three different companies right now. And what I found, um, there's, there's a lot of kind of motivational or interesting things that you can learn. I love podcasts. I love learning from other people. And what I found was a lot of it, a lot of what I found was in regards to kind of like a one man team, if it was in, if it was just me, right? Like if it was, if it was all just dependent on me, then, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of information out there. And so it was a little more complicated to find um, similar um, helpful guidance from somebody who had you know, had a team of people and had to try and figure out the challenges of growing, not just yourself, but a team of people. And so I started writing down some of the things that I was figuring out. Um, one of the things in the book is just about finding time. Um, I started waking up earlier and earlier 
And just as I was sitting with myself in silence in the mornings, I started writing just lessons I was learning and trying to kind of just get clear on the things that were working and the things that weren't. Um, and after having written for, you know, days on end, I had realized that there were a lot of lessons that I had learned from the trenches of growing a company that, you know, an award-winning company. Um, I didn't know at the time, but the successes that I had as a part of that process, I guess, I felt like there were a lot of lessons that I had learned that were unique to what I had heard. And so um, I decided to try and put that together in a format um, that may be helpful to others. I know it was something that I was looking for and wasn't able to find. And so I put it in the form of a book and it is called The Business Beast. And it talks about four instincts that someone who's trying to grow a company can kind of trigger and use as, um, as, as a reference point uh, when you when you're up against challenges, there's four unique kind of instincts that I, I think combined really put you on a path to success. It's really hard to imagine anyone being unsuccessful if they exhibited these four characteristics or instincts. And so um, at the same time, I'm running these businesses it is something that I developed in the process, and I think it's, you know, maybe a little unique in that way, where it's coming as a kind of raw insight during the process of successes that I've experienced. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that it's helpful to, you know, people out there that are trying to really become beasts in the world that they are, you know, living and operating in. So what is the biggest thing that keeps a person from becoming a business beast? I would, I would answer that an awareness of an, a lack of awareness in your potential is probably what I would, what I would imagine being the biggest um, challenge or shortfall that, that's common. I think, I think, I think we really have a hard time seeing our potential um, to to find success, and for some reason, it's really easy to kind of settle for less than our potential. And I think it's just, you know, I think it's an awareness. I think it's sometimes hard to see what you're capable of and, and, and seeing that potential, I think sometimes switches, flips a switch and helps you kind of operate in a new way that you wouldn't operate once you're aware of what your potential really is. So for a person that's been whatever the right animal would be to be the opposite of the business beast, um, <laughs> what is the first thing that they could do? You know, they, they identify I'm not a business beast right now. What would be step one for them? What could they do right now today to move in the direction of becoming a business beast? Um, I, I, think, I think a self-inventory um, is, is probably one of the first points. I think um, I, I put a warning on this book because I don't think that this book is for everyone. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, um, you know, that I work with that, you know, our family that, that exist out there that are, that are happy. I, I don't think that they have to become a business beast to, to be become happy. And so this, this book, it, it definitely isn't for anyone. And so I, as somebody wants and desires to become one, what, what they have to be open to is that 
there's some blind spots that they have. There's some areas that they're not aware of that they need to get better at. And, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror, as I write in this book, there's some like check-ins, um, you know, some questions to ask yourself that kind of challenge yourself in a way that helps you see what your potential is. And so I would say a self inventory of like checking in and just being honest about some of the areas that you're falling short um, and just starting to see some of the opportunities that you have to really change the course and direction of, of your life in a, in a positive way. And so, um, you know, you can do it without this book, but I think just being honest with yourself about your shortcomings in a positive way where you can see the potential and it's not necessarily a negative process. Um, I think that's, that's part of the beginning to starting your, you know, starting to find your way through and find yourself on the path of becoming a beast in whichever world you want to become one in. Love that. So beyond, of course, all the businesses you're running, so maybe you don't have time, do you do coaching or group coaching or things with people as well? Yeah, I do. Um, as I found success, I found kind of a growing interest in people wanting to, it's really people who are in the trenches, um, you know, trying to navigate uh, the world that they live in. They've reached out to me. And so I, you know, I have started spending more and more time with, you know, coaching. Um, and even as it's coaching, like I, I really like spending time almost next to, um, next to people who are in the trenches. It's something that every person has a different experience. They have different challenges and there's things that they need to do that are unique to them. And I've, I've found a lot of fulfillment in just being with people um, and finding those processes, finding those different ways, finding those, um, those, those, I guess the goals and the plans and, and executing on them um, and spending that time with people who are, in action, spending time in action, checking in with them. And so, yeah, I, I, I've started to do more and more of that. And I guess it's, it's helped in the sense to see other people finding successes in those same ways, just by, you know, some of the, some of the lessons learned as a part of my process. So for somebody that would like to go deeper with you than the book, how can they get in contact with you? Uh, you can contact me, uh, dirework.com, D-Y-E-R work.com. You can uh, reach out to me there and, you know, we'll have a conversation. I, you know, uh, I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody. You know, there's, it's, it's just a free consult on your specific challenges. And I think there's always a way to help. And there's, there's processes that anyone who's of interest um, can implement to start finding successes in the ways that they want. Love that. The book is called The Business Beast by Brian Dyer. Brian, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. There is nothing wrong with getting down in the trenches, getting some dirt under your fingernails, whether that be real or mentally, um, and really diving into the things that are going to make your business successful. One of the biggest keys of that is to dig into the trenches of yourself and to look at the recesses and the corners of your mind and then maximize that powerful you that is you so that you can make the difference that only you can make in this world and you can live as a thriving entrepreneur. Don't go away. If you're an 
author who's on a mission. Stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we look at the thing that's you, that then you can dive into and create that success that you have in life. When you know who you are, but then begin to look at the opportunities, it's amazing the possibilities that can come from someplace you never even saw them coming from, if you're willing to be open to that possibility. With that thought in mind, let's jump into our next guest. Join me in welcoming Mickey Kennedy. Hey, Mickey, how are you doing today? Good. I'm, I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. So um, I am uh, 51 years old. I am a poet uh, and train, uh, trained in that. I got an MFA creative writing degree almost 30 years ago. And uh, I just sort of uh, bounced around after my degree and uh, assumed I'd wait tables uh, for a career and ended up at a telecom research company. Uh, it was a startup as number, employee number three. And because I had a writing background, they had me write their press releases and send them out. And we did it through faxing. And I had mentioned to my boss that I felt like email seemed to be a natural progression and uh, someone should focus on that. And he said, ah, it sounds like a good business idea. And uh, about a year later is when I launched uh, e-releases and uh, we specialized in just emailing press releases to journalists. And uh, over the years, uh, PR Newswire reached out to us and said, hey, you should also send your releases through us. And I pointed out that they charge like $1,000 to move a 500 word press release nationally. And my customers were spending much less than that. You know, my customers are mostly entrepreneurs and uh, small business owners and uh, speakers and things like uh, authors and people like that. So um, we went back and forth a while and they said they really liked the audience and wanted to serve it. So um, we developed a custom national distribution that every client of ours gets on PR Newswire, as well as the email send that's available to um, you know people uh, just like we've always done. Mm, I love that. So um, for people that aren't familiar with a press release and how that works, give us a you know real brief explanation of that. Sure. So they're very simple. They're usually um, written in the third person um, for immediate release. Company X announces this is the headline. And then there's a, a date line, might be a city and state there as well. And uh, it's sort of like the inverted pyramid. The most uh, important information is in the beginning. And then you just provide some supporting information, usually ending with a boilerplate, which is an about section, like about company or about person or something like that. And then you might have a contact information, which uh, I always recommend for journalists. And uh, that's pretty much it. You know, despite them being very simplistic, a lot of people still do them wrong by, uh, focusing a lot more on the structure of the press release and it's really not as important as what you're announcing and try to be strategic with what you're announcing uh, rather than sending out a press release about a personnel change like a new hire uh, in the hr department or something like that we see so many releases that are safe 
and they're unlikely to result in an article being written. And so I would always uh, advise someone if you're paying to send a release out to make sure you're using the, the best possible announcement that you can that has the, you know, the highest rate of uh, perhaps being turned into an article or story. And e-releases have been, been around for a while. When did you guys start? We started in October of 1998. So it's been, um, it'll be 23 years this October. Yeah, having been in the internet for forever, since before we called the internet, I, I've been in and around and seen and probably even used your service a few times, so very familiar with it. So what sets e-releases apart from, you know, using like a PR newswire? Well, um, the biggest thing is our pricing um, and our customer service. Um, we recognize that a lot of people who come to us have never done a press release before, or if they have, they've only done the ones that go on syndicated websites and they really don't reach journalists. Um, so we are really good about walking people through that process, what to expect, um, help them get their press release in the best, uh, you know, uh, possible uh wrapper so to speak you know make the headline uh, a, you know a little more optimized and so we're really good at that and then of course the pricing i mean if you went to the newswire directly you'd spend over a thousand dollars and not get the distribution that you get through us for you know as little as 269 for a new customer special so you know that's the real value to us there's there's nobody else out there offering a national distribution uh with pr newswire like we are for anything you know under say seven eight hundred dollars So, I mean, there's so many things that are out there. Um, you know, you have everything from, you know, Google and Yahoo News to, um, you know, the actual AP wire. Um, which of them really are worth it for a person who's, you know, making an announcement that they became a best-selling author or, you know, their company just released a new product or something like that? So I would make sure that you go out over a national wire um, and there's only three for press releases, uh, PR Newswire, Business Wire, and Globe Newswire. Globe Newswire mostly focuses on small over-the-counters, uh, publicly traded companies, and Business Wire and PR Newswire are you know, the, the big ones. Most PR firms use one or the other, uh, PR Newswire being the oldest and largest. Um, you mentioned the AP. The AP has started offering a subfolder on their network where they'll put press releases for a, a payment, but it's not the same as the AP wire. Um, everything that runs over the AP is written by them. So they would never move a press release over the wire. Um, the reason is people pay licensing fees to the Associated Press for that for their articles. So they don't, you know, a small newspaper doesn't have to write the same national story as everybody else. They can just license it from the uh, Associated Press. So. Um, you know, it's great when the Associated Press writes an article about you because it gets out there to a lot of different places and a lot of different uh, newspapers and things like that. But you can't pay a serve, pay them for that to happen. Um, it's it's sort of a firewall. And occasionally it does happen with a press release that's issued over the wire because the AP uh, journalists uh, and writers and editors are looking for stories the same way everybody else is. And the great thing about a wire service like PR Newswire is it's a, a repository of lots of releases. You can look at them by industry and with a login uh, as a journalist, um, you can really tailor the wire to the specific types of press releases that you're looking for by excluding certain keywords, including certain keywords. So you're really looking at content that's uh, you know, appropriate for you. And that's the real value of, of, a, of a wire service. There are a lot of players out there that do syndication where you can get your release on Yahoo News and Google News. And that happens with PR Newswire. It happens with any of the services, but that shouldn't be the goal of the release. And so many times when you're using the cheaper services, that's all you're getting. You never reach an actual journalist. And so the likelihood of you being turned into an article in the New York Times is it near impossible. It's just not going to happen because no journalist saw that 
press release to turn it into an article. Um, we have on our website, uh, I think our number one case study is one we did during the pandemic where we issued a release for the Dining Bond Initiative, and it generated over 150 articles, including the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, um, lots of food trade publications, over you know 30 to 50 newspapers picked it up, generated millions of dollars in revenue, all from one press release. And that's the example of leverage that you can get by going through a wire service like PR Newswire or Business Wire is you really have a wide availability to a live journalist. So if you have a newsworthy subject, and in this case, I think uh, it did very well because uh, it was during the pandemic it was something positive that people could do to help out their local restaurant that was closed down. And so I, I think those were the reasons it did so phenomenally well. And you really can't replicate that kind of leverage through paid advertising or any other medium. And it's one of the things where PR is really good at that. So if you have something that's really newsworthy, uh, and if you don't think you're newsworthy, you, there are strategies you can put in place to become newsworthy for the purposes of issuing a press release. Mm, so much in there. We could go for hours just talking about all of those things. Um, but I know that there's a lot of listeners that this is new for them. So um, let's just try to keep it up at the top level here. Um, and then maybe we'll dive in deeper, you and I, in another show or in person or whatever. But, um, you know, there are a lot of services out there that are more what I would call aggregators than actual true press, you know, PR wire type of places. Um, you know, so you can get a local affiliate television station, for example, to run, you know, quote unquote, run your article because they just, you know, they're just picking up the feed and putting it out there. They don't even right. know that it's there. And, and, um, and to be honest, most of those feeds are not even on their website. If you go to their website and do a search, 90% of the time, you won't be able to pull up your own press release from that website. It's usually a subdomain of the website. And it's usually not even hosted on that media's uh, server. It's usually hosted by the syndicated, uh, the syndicator, the company that's doing the syndication often hosts those subdomains. So it just gives the appearance of being on these, uh, you know, local news sites and other places like that. But the amount of people that see it is very minuscule. Um, it's not like it really appeared on that news site. It wasn't, you know, available to the readers and the people who, you know, are on that website and, and checking out the local news. So it, it really is a, you know, I say it's a distraction. Most PR professionals would agree that syndication isn't the goal of doing a press release. It's getting earned to media where you have original, unique articles written about you ideally with links to your website, but that doesn't always happen. Um, a lot of the like New York Times and places like that don't like to include links to websites. But, you know, that being said, people still do a search for the company, they find you as a result of articles and things like that. So is there ever a time when those aggregator kind of things are worthwhile for a person? Never. Uh, there was uh, an SEO benefit maybe 20 years ago, 17 years ago or so, Google said that they were going to stop bestowing SEO benefit. And then I think around 10 years ago, they asked everybody to make the links in these press releases no follow, just in case they accidentally were spidering these releases uh, to give them benefit. So they're really not. Um, PR Newswire used to, when you sent out a release, you would get a report showing your webs, uh, your press release on 300 of these syndicated sites. Now the number is like sometimes 40 or 60. And the, the Newswire says there's quite possibly going to be a day when there's none. Uh, they, the PR firms hate those links because they have to explain to the CEOs and everybody else that this is not important. The fact that you appeared on Yahoo Finance in a subfolder or press releases really doesn't give you much benefit or traffic, and it's not an article. And so it really does sort of distort what the true goal of a press release is, which is to get that earned media to be turned into an article, not having the press release replicated. Okay. So I'm looking on your website here right now, and it says 
private database of over 1.7 million highly targeted journalists and social media influencers. Um, a brand new person, you know, running some kind of obscure business out of their kitchen um, that just released, you know, because I work with authors, so I always think that way, just released their new book. How likely is it that they're going to get picked up at all? For authors, it's near impossible. Um, I've had some success with um, nonfiction authors. Um, it's much easier to get media attention for nonfiction because you don't have to make a determination of the quality of writing the same way that you would if it was a piece of fiction. Um, and so uh, for nonfiction, it is possible. You just really have to explain and tell the story of why your book matters and how it's differentiated from all other books on that subject that's out there. And if you do a really good job of telling that story, then you can certainly find the media that are willing to champion you and, um, you know, to, you know, mention you either in an article or a roundup of books on a particular topic. And um, they, they like new authors because it's, it gives them the idea that they're curators and they've discovered this little thing that they, most people probably wouldn't have discovered on their own. And so it, it does happen, but um, it, it generally happens to nonfiction um, much easier than, than fiction. Um, um, despite that, I did have someone who wrote a, a fiction uh, book and it was self-published and they got picked up on the front page of the entertainment section of USA Today. And uh, uh, he, he, was, he was really shocked and really pleased that something like that happened. It just so happened that I think the subject matter that he was writing about just really appealed to the writer. They were, you know, given uh, a deadline for something they were working on and it just everything aligned but that rarely happens with uh, books of fiction so what about um you know because i know all the business people are now thinking okay what do i do what about when a person brings out a new course that they're teaching and gonna sell is that interesting to the media <sighs> not really um, you have to realize, uh, try to put your, your head on, you know, the cap, the editor cap on your head, that you're an editor, and you're basically a gatekeeper to, for your audience, you want to provide content to your audience that's titillating, interesting, and, uh, you know, something that they'll, they'll certainly like, in the case of a course, it's very difficult for them to determine why is it why is this course important? And you can say all the reasons like this is the best course, the most comprehensive course, but you know, courses are very difficult to market. That's why colleges always uh, market the, the lifestyle of a college. They never market the actual curriculum. It's because it, it's just so hard to get it across and to make it matter. And so for those reasons, I would sort of pick something that uh, um, might allow you to sort of leapfrog in with the fact that you have a course like maybe you do a survey or study on a particular niche or industry that uh, your course covers and in the course of talking about the survey and the results that you got um, you can you know certainly mention that you have a course on this subject and that's a much easier way to sort of like put the um uh, you know, the, uh, the, the pill and the cheese and disguise what you're really trying to do because you're trying to promote the course, but the media's job is to, you know, provide interesting content to their readers or audience and, you know, sort of look at it as an opportunity to reverse engineer. And the clients that do the best are those that do, uh, you know, wrap the pill in cheese or something that's really attractive to the media. So they'll bite and then they get a mention and um, um, often they'll include who you are and what it is that you're trying to promote. I love that. So um, explain to people what kind of uh, services you can offer to them and how they can get in contact with you. Sure. So I offer press release writing and distribution services. Um, we also have guides on the website on how to write your own press release. It's not rocket science. And I do encourage everyone to sort of write it themselves. 
Um, you can visit ereleases.com. We have chat and um, we have phone numbers on the website. You can call. You'll only speak to editors. We have no salespeople. There are no commissions or quotas or anything like that. We're usually pretty good about letting you know if we feel there's a good fit and an opportunity there for you and your industry. Um, I also have a course that's less than an hour that's completely free. Um, it goes through all the strategies that you could incorporate to make a newsworthy announcement. Um, it's uh, at ereleases.com forward slash plan, P-L-A-N. And, um, uh, you know, this, the survey and uh, the study one that I mentioned before is one of the strategies that I outline. And a lot of people get tripped up like they don't know who to send it to. There are lots of small and independent trade associations that would welcome the opportunity to send that survey to their members in exchange for you mentioning them in the press release that you'll be issuing over the wire. So, uh, you know, that's the small and independent ones don't get a lot of love. It's usually the large trade associations that get all the attention. So if, if it's a win-win promotion where they get some promotion and, you know, that you, you get to share your survey with their members it, it really does create a lot of uh, yeah, yeah, beneficial uh, synergy that you can use to sort of get that uh, survey out there. And that way you'll have a lot more data when you do go to publish your press release. Mm, I love that. That was a great tip. Um, and it is ereleases.com to be able to use your service. Yeah. Well, Mickey, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Oh, you're very welcome. It's great talking with you. Who are you? What are the things that you know, that you learned, that you practiced, that is just inherently part of who you are? How do those things show up in you just being you? And then what is the key that comes from that, that can grow into something massive, something giant, something world changing? I mean, e-releases has come in and, and been around for a while. It's one of the big players. And it came from a guy who just simply thought he'd spend his whole life working as a waiter to be able to do what he loves. And then he had his eyes open. And when he saw an opportunity, he began to capitalize on it. He was open to being himself, knowing himself, but then also looking for the possibility that then drove the success that he now has in life. Such an amazing story and such a great way for us to finish off this episode as we talk about what defines you, who are you, how do you create success being you. A lot of times, you know, we are taught to diminish ourselves so that we're being quote unquote humble which is a wrong definition of that because true humility is about having a right perspective of yourself. It's about knowing yourself well enough to know, hey, I'm really good at this particular thing. And then taking that knowledge and diving into possibility, opportunity, looking for ways that you can make the world a better place. Because more than anything, when you wanna talk about defining success, leaving the world better from being there as you in the world, there's nothing better. And I need you to know and understand, you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. And the world, oh, the world does need you. We're so glad you're here. We want you to know yourself intimately and deeply and then do the things that create success in your life by simply showing up today, being yourself, and living as a thriving entrepreneur. I hope until we're together again next time, you're happy, safe, warm, and loved, and you have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs>
<laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. You are-